For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Martin McCloskey. On Fire. This is Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL. Well, welcome back to Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL 101.9, 94.1, and on Rumble, Twitter, my uh, Facebook feed, any place you get your podcasts. You know, it's been an interesting week in politics in the United States of America, an interesting, oh, I don't know, what, seven, eight years now. We have uh, Donald Trump, who I'm still referring to as the uh, president of the United States, Donald Trump, uh, who is now indicted with federal charges for doing what the Presidential Records Act says he has every right in the world to do, which is to maintain whatever records he wants. Well, you know, Donald Trump's not the only person who suffered the onslaught of the weaponization of the Department of Justice and of the FBI, and he's not the only member of the political prisoner class in the United States. I mean, my wife and I have joined that that uh, party ourselves. But, you know, we have on uh, on tap here today as a special guest, uh, Derek Evans, who is not only a, a January 6th political prisoner, but he's currently running for the United States House of Representatives in West Virginia. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in Derek Evans. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show, man. I'm, it's a, truly an honor to be here with a, with a fellow patriot who knows what it's like to be persecuted by the government. So, so thanks for having me on here. Well, you know, it's a, we, have, we have a government that is not by the people or for the people, but by the power elite and against the people, and we just have to keep standing up against it. And uh, so, hey, uh, introduce yourself to my audience and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so my name is Derek Evans. I'm uh, from West Virginia, as you said. I was uh, uh, In 2020, I was elected to the West Virginia State House, and uh, like millions of others, I uh, saw the, the presidential election being stolen from the American people. So I went to the Capitol on January 6th to peacefully and patriotically exercise my natural God-given rights of free speech. Uh, everything, I, everything I'm going to tell you is on video. You can watch it for yourself on the top of my, you know, Twitter, True Social, Getter, Facebook, wherever you want to find me. Um, I walked through an open set of doors. I thanked the police officer for his service. He gave me a friendly fist bump as I walked in the door, welcoming me into the building. I spent less than 10 minutes inside the public rotunda area and walked back out the, the same set of doors I entered, uh, only to find myself in the crosshairs. Uh, the same weaponized deep state that came after you and came is coming after President Trump right now. They came to my house. They ripped me away from my wife and my four young children, and they held me hostage as a January 6th political prisoner. Um, I got out in October uh, and finished with everything other than probation that I have left. And then um, uh, on January 6th of this year, so it was a perfect day to do so, I announced that I was uh, not only going to run for re-election, but I was now going to run for uh, U.S. Congress to take this battle to their front door the same way they brought it to mine. And so that kind of leads us to where, we're at, where we are today. All right. Well, let's go back uh, back in your history before you got elected to the uh, uh, the House in, in Virginia, West Virginia. Um, uh, by the way, it's called what, Chamber of Deputies or something in West Virginia? A House of Delegates. House of it's a Delegates. State, state rep position in every other every other state pretty much is state rep, but uh, West Virginia and then Virginia is the House of Delegates. I don't know if there's any other states that call it that or not. House of Delegates. Well, I butchered that one. Um, tell us a little bit about your uh, your pre-electoral uh, career. I understand you were a, uh, an ardent advocate of uh, pro-life and an, an opponent of uh, abortion, and uh, were an activist. 
Yeah. So, you know, man, um, very blessed and fortunate. My, my mother had me as, when she was 17 years old, a senior in high school. And I always was pro-life because, I mean, I, I knew that, <laughs> you know, my family's pro-life. And, and they, they told me that story. And, and so I knew that I was uh, blessed and fortunate to have a, a mother who had the courage to, to have me, um, you know, in what some people would consider not the perfect circumstances. So I've always been pro-life. Um, you know, God had been putting on my heart for, for quite some time to go to the uh, to stand up the abortion clinic. And then, you know, as we always do, uh, we always, oh, I'll Monday, you know, I'll do it on Monday or something. You always put it off. And, and uh, right on, uh, so my wife had just, we had our first two kids, no problem, no issues. And then um, we were trying for a third and ended up having two miscarriages. Right after, I mean, literally like the day or so after our second miscarriage is when the state of New York passed that extreme uh, abortion bill where you could you know, murder a baby all the way up till birth. And, man, it was just eating at me, kept me up at night. Um, I was laying in bed like one thirty in the morning and all I could hear was this God saying, I told you to go to the abortion clinic, you know, and it was plain as day. And so I got up in the middle of the night, one thirty in the morning, uh, started Googling. I didn't even know if there was an abortion clinic here. Found there was an abortion clinic, one, one abortion clinic here in the state of, state of West Virginia, about an hour away. And so the next day I got up, uh, I went to the local uh, dollar store here, grabbed some, uh, some, some markers and poster board and everything. Um, made a sign, didn't know what it was going to say, and it ended up saying honk for life because I knew that the clinic was right along a busy road. Mm-hmm. And I went to the abortion clinic and, uh, and stood there and held that sign. And um, the, the very first day I was there, uh, the cops were called on me. Uh, they, uh, the abortion clinic people claimed that I had went into their building and, and was causing chaos if I didn't. And the police pulled the security tapes, realized they were lying, and it was not a big issue, but he told me... Wait, wait, wait a minute. You don't, mean yeah. to, you don't mean to indicate that the uh, the people that want to murder children to do something outlandish like lying about you, would they? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so so the, the police officer told me, he said, look, man, I, I would I would just, you know, record all everything just for your own protection. So that's what I started doing. And, you know, I'd be up there for six or seven hours sometimes, so... Um, I, I ran out of memory pretty quick, so I just started live streaming on Facebook. Didn't think a big deal. But man, it's amazing how God works because uh, through that, um, not only did I build a huge social media following that I never intended to do, um, God started sending other people. They they would see this live stream and other other Christians uh, who didn't even know we had abortions happening in West Virginia started showing up at the clinic to stand with me. And so there were multiple times there would be over fifty people standing there. It was just amazing and. And I want people to understand that, you know, when, when these women chose life, um, if, if, they, if they wanted to keep the baby themselves, uh, we would get them signed up on a registry. And like I said, I had about 60 to 70, you know, roughly 60,000 or so followers on Facebook, reaching about 5 million people per month organically with no, no paid ads or anything. And so we get them signed up on this registry, and um, people from all over the country would, would buy these baby items. We'd throw, we'd throw the, the family a huge baby shower and everything and, and be there for them and support them throughout this journey. Uh, we raised uh, money. There was a local pregnancy center that wanted to um, uh, get an get a, a ultrasound machine because studies showed if women saw the ultrasound, they were less likely to have an abortion. They wanted to get free ultrasounds. We raised $25,000 in about a month and a half uh, to buy them an ultrasound machine. Well, that's and great. then if women, yeah, and then if women chose life and didn't, and just didn't want to keep it, you know, they said, look, I'll choose life, but you know, I, I just want to up for adoption. Uh, we had connected families who were looking to adopt we had uh, a local attorney who did all the uh, the uh, adoption paperwork pro bono, and then we would throw the adopting family a baby shower. I mean, it was huh. fascinating. But these people despised me and hated me all because I exposed the 
the, the, the murder mill, the corruption that they were doing there. And I, so, I, um, I know yeah, you, that, you got, you had to have been effective because, you know, I'm reading your, your Wikipedia, by the way, and you, <laughs> you, you just, you just have to, you just have to hand it to these nasty sons of guns on the other side. So it starts off like this. Jonathan Derek Evans, born April 2, 1985, is an American politician and convicted felon. And you, you, you know, they got to throw that in just to just to make sure that the that the consuming public hates you from the get go, right? And then it says, yeah. uh, um, before pursuing elective office, Evans was known as an anti-abortion protester who, over the course of 2018 and 2019, harassed patients, staff, and volunteer escorts at the only <laughs> clinic in West Virginia, live streamed himself confronting people outside the clinic to tens of thousands of viewers. In addition to shouting abuse, Evans would live stream himself repeating clinic workers' names. They put up a 10-foot-high fence and alerted the police. I mean, they did. can, 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 you, uh, can you vault a 10-foot fence? No, but I'll tell you, so it was, it was fascinating, man, because when I first started going there, there was just like a little tiny wall there. I mean, like, like three foot or whatever. It was kind of like a boundary. And so, we, you know, I would stand there and everything. And they did. They, um, so because of not only my efforts, but the other people that got sent there, um, you know, the, this, well, this family basically ended up kind of being the regulars who were there. They, they erected, it was a 10-foot fence on top of that three-foot wall that they already had. So it was about 13, 14 foot tall. And uh, tarps everything around, and had hired security guards. It was it was funny to watch how much money and stuff they were spending to uh, continue uh, abortion here in West Virginia. So is that uh, yeah, is that I mean, clinic still open, or have you has West Virginia outlawed abortion by now? West Virginia has officially outlawed it. They are no longer uh, doing abortions in there or anything like that. And uh, and so it's uh, it's been amazing. When we first started going there, uh, they were doing about fifteen abortions per day. And when when um, you know, uh, towards the end, uh, you know, if we've been there for a while, I should say, uh, they were doing two to three per day. I mean, it was it was amazing how just being some people being there was really, um, you know, getting those numbers up. But that's how I got back. That's how I really got into into politics the, the second time around. Man, was you know through that journey, uh, people kept asking me to run for office, and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to do that, you know, and um, and uh, so we were trying to get a heartbeat bill passed in the state of West Virginia and our spineless rhinos wouldn't, uh, wouldn't pass the bill. And so I got frustrated of trying to lobby these people and lobby my own representatives that I just said, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and run. I'm not going to win because no Republican had won my district since 1922. And so, um, I was like, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to run. I'm probably not going to win, but I'll, uh, you know, speak my mind and have a platform and at the very least, you know, raise some cane about it. And uh, lo and behold, man, I, uh, I won a landslide victory and became the first Republican to win my district in 98 years. So it was fascinating. <laughs> 98 years. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, tide is, the tide is turning in West Virginia. I hope we'll uh, get rid of, you know, uh, Joe Manchin, amongst other things, eventually here. But, uh, you know, uh, were, you, were you available or were you uh, uh, locked up at the time that the Supreme Court did away with Roe v. Wade? Um, trying to remember, I think it was right before I went into sentencing actually for it. So I can't remember exactly when that was, but, um, it was a huge victory for, uh, for, for all of us. Too. Actually, I was locked up. Yeah. I remember getting a letter from somebody telling me about it afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was could, locked up. Because we, the, the one abortion clinic that was still doing abortions is only two blocks from my office. And uh, so when that happened, we went over there, our, our priest was there. There was a lot of people. And uh, but then we had the the evil left was there 
one of the state representatives and a, and a young black lady running for U.S. Senate as a Democrat. Uh, and uh, they were screaming, shouting, uh, two inches from the priest's face, every kind of obscene, horrible thing you can possibly imagine, including my favorite phrase from this young lady that was running for the United States Senate, saying, quote, your mama should have swallowed you, unquote. And I mean, to, to our priest. And so it was, it, was, uh, it was the pure example of evil versus good and good versus evil played out in the flesh right in front of the uh, Planned Parenthood clinic. Well, we have to remember that they do all those things, these left-wing extremists, they do all that in the name of tolerance. <laughs> is there anything less tolerant than the people who praise tolerance? I mean, they will tolerate you to the extent that you agree exactly with them. And if you don't ex- agree exactly. exactly with them, you got to get burned, man, because that's how tolerance works. Gosh. <laughs> but you don't know anything about that, do you? No, not at all. <laughs> well, so, uh, you know, we're going to have to take a break here just uh, in a minute or so. So just uh, actually my producer says three minutes. So you got a little bit of time here before we have to take a break. Um, uh, uh, tell us about uh, your, your term in the House of Delegates. Uh, I th- you got you got sworn in, I guess, just shortly before January 6th? <laughs> yeah, I got, I got sworn in just enough to really go to the caucus meetings, raise a little bit, of, make a little noise there and, and, and remind these people what they said they were going to run for and everything. And, and you know, I, I, I'm, an, I'm an anti-establishment person, so um, never really um, was in with the in crowd, if you will, of the Republicans. So uh, when January 6th happened, they were more than happy to, to try to get rid of me as well, just as much as the Democrats were, because I'll hold their feet to the fire the same as I will the, uh, the, the left-wing extremists. So the, the one thing I saw, um, the, was, the one, one thing I saw that I wanted to, to talk to you about is I had I had the pleasure of introducing uh, MTG at a at a Lincoln Reagan Day dinner a couple of weeks ago, and uh, she was the only person in the United States House that uh, that I'm aware of that will actually call people that do child mutilation uh, and uh, and other things in the LGBTQ, XYZ, whatever the hell those psychosexuals are, uh, call them pedophiles. And I, I understand that, that you were taking that position as well, which I I wanted to have you give you an opportunity to expound on. Well, they are pedophiles. I mean, especially anybody who wants to sexualize children are pedophiles. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that she calls them out. And that's exactly what I do because we're, we're past the point of trying to play nice with these people. We're we're right now in a battle for the future of this country, and our children are the future, and uh, and they're coming after our children. And I'm sorry, but as uh, as men and uh, as people of society, if we're not going to protect our children, then shame on us. We won't protect anything or anyone. And so um, we've got to, to, to stand firm in that and stand firm in truth and call it what it is. They're, they're pedophiles. Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to take a break here. We'll be right back with Derek Evans. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. More Mark McCloskey on fire coming up on NewstalkSTL. For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Mark McCloskey on fire. This is Mark McCloskey on fire on News Talk STL. All right, we're back with Mark McCloskey on fire, and we're uh, we have the honor today of talking to one of the uh, genuine January six political prisoners, Mister Derek Evans. Uh, 
So, so tell us about. Uh, wait a second. I, 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 uh, I read in the uh, NBC News that you're a former West Virginia legislature who stormed the U.S. Capitol on behalf of former President Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> did, did did you get that formal invitation from the president? I I, I missed mine. I missed mine as well. And you know that that's what's <laughs> fascinating. So throughout the entire uh, situation, where they would continue to question me. Um, it is my belief, I don't have any evidence of this, but it's my belief that the, their whole their whole goal is to try to get all the January 6th prisoners to blame President Trump because they would keep, continue to ask, well, you you came here because President Trump asked you to, right? You went to the Capitol because President Trump, Trump told you to, correct? And I was like, no, I went there uh, on my own accord, and um, no, I did not go to the Capitol specifically for that reason. Like, I'm not going to blame him for it. And so that's in my, once again, in my opinion, I have no evidence, but that's also why I believe that they took me from misdemeanor to the felony charge because I was originally charged with two misdemeanors. Then he came back with two more misdemeanors, and I still wouldn't play ball. And then he came back and hit me with the fifteen twelve obstruction of official proceeding felony charge, which comes with a twenty year prison sentence. I was facing twenty four years in prison. Well, that's for, that's uh, that's always prison. that's always the thanks they give you for not cooperating with uh, with the powers that want to destroy you. You know, if yeah. you, you know your reward is we're going to do everything we can to screw up the rest of your life and see if we can make you die in prison. Hey, l- let's go back to. Uh, to, to when you first make the decision to go go up to the Capitol on January 6th and how you got there and what you saw and what you did and, and uh, uh, you know, everything that, that took place that day. My wife and I had planned to go up there that day, but unfortunately, you know, we had other things that, we, that took precedent. I'm a little, uh, little embarrassed that I didn't go there because I have no idea what the inside of a D.C. jail looks like, and I, I missed out on it. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I've had the, had the prison tour now. So. But, um, you know, man, I, I really wasn't – I wanted to go, and I was really planning to not go because my wife was nine months pregnant. We just came out of a grueling campaign, um, you know, just had a lot of stuff, get ready to get, go into our own legislative session. And the main, what's funny is the main reason I went was because my uh, my, rep, my constituents, they kept asking, you know, what, what, what can be done, what's going to be done, and they didn't vote for me because I was another politician. They voted for me because uh, I was, well, quite frankly, a rowdy Republican and, and you know, was going to be a man of the people. And, and so that was one of the reasons I went. And so I went there to not only for my own natural God-given rights and free speech, but to represent the, the roughly 50,000 people that I was uh, representing. I went there to be their voice as well. And so I uh, hopped, hopped on a local bus and, and rode to D.C. We had like three charter buses leaving the area, and I was on one of those. Mm-hmm. We got there, man, and it was very cold, very windy. I didn't see any violence or any destruction throughout the day. I saw uh, American patriots from all over the country who loved this country, uh, understood what was happening. No one really thought that we were overthrowing the government or overturning the election. Um, we were just there, um, you know, to show support and to show basically that we knew they stole the election and we weren't happy about it. Um, there was a street preacher came by on, on the side of the building for a little bit there and was preaching and the little church service broke out. It was, it was awesome. Um, and then, you know, that was, that was really the, the extent of it, man. The worst thing that I saw the entire day in terms of, you know, violence or destruction was um, when we were inside the Rotunda area, uh, there were some young kids, I'm guessing early college, maybe late high school age. Uh, they stood beside of one of the statues and put a, a, a MAGA hat on it and was taking pictures with it. And an old man came over and said, hey, guys, get down. We're not. We're not going to do that. That was like that was, that was the worst thing. Else. Oh my <laughs> God! They put a hat on a statue. How yeah. how are our civilization ever survive? <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> so, uh, you know, it was just, uh, you know, I think one thing I really want people to understand about January 6th, so there's actually two things. Um, I want everybody to understand just how big that building really is. So uh, there's a misconception that people think that whatever they saw on TV or on the news is what everybody experienced that day. I, I didn't know any of those things had taken place until I got back into cell phone service on the way home and, and started seeing the videos for myself. And I was, I was as shocked as anyone. I was kind of in disbelief because I'm like, I see what's happening, but I was just there and I didn't see any of this. So that's the first thing. The, the second thing I want everybody to understand is the infamous quote from President Trump that they're taking out of context of when he says, we're going to march down to the Capitol peacefully and patriotically. So the event was not called Stop the Steal. The event was called uh, March to Save America. And so um, the original plan for weeks leading up to that was after President Trump spoke, everyone was going to march to save America, march to the Capitol where there were other permitted uh, speakers and stages set up. So there was a couple on the west side of the building. There was at least one on the east side of the building over there um, where there were these stages and everything set up where, where there was be more people speaking. So that's something that the media and stuff is taking out of context as well. Trump said we're marching to the Capitol because that was the plan for weeks to go down there and continue listening to these other people speak and, and, and speak out on this issue. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, what did uh, what did they allege that you did that uh, landed in ninety days in prison? So, like I said, I was originally charged with uh, two misdemeanors and two more. It's basically the same thing with different versions of uh, parading and picketing on Capitol grounds and trespassing. Um, when I re- <laughs> you know refused to to really work with them on on a lot of this stuff, and I mean honestly, I wasn't refusing to work with them. I was telling them the truth, but it wasn't. They didn't lock the truth, basically. So mm-hmm. I don't want to say I wasn't cooperating because I, I was. I was trying to tell them the truth. Um, but um, they hit me with a fifteen twelve obstruction official proceeding. So this is a charge that they're using to slap on nonviolent January 6th defendants if they want to hit them with a felony charge. It's also one they recommended for President Trump. Mm-hmm. This charge was created during the insider bank trading of the early 2000s, the Enron and all of that. The entire... Uh, charge is about tampering with a witness. So, so as people were coming to testify about Enron and insider bank trading, people were tampering with witnesses. They were obstructing them somehow, bribing them, threatening them, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that, so th- the code is about obstructing an official proceeding by way of tampering with a witness. But the court, the, D- the corrupt DOJ, the corrupt government is just taking that and slapping it on January 6th defendants. Anyways, it's split in the courts right now. It's going to go to the Supreme Court eventually, but that could take decades. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and it comes with a 20 year prison sentence. So in one phone call, I went from four misdemeanors, uh, and, and probably going to get probation or whatever to now in one phone call, facing 24 years in prison. Uh, I'll never forget. I got off the phone. Didn't even tell my wife what it was at, at first. I just went to the bathroom, uh, locked, locked the door and just sit down and start crying because I, I was just thinking, uh, you know, I had four kids all in the age of five. And I just kept thinking, you know, my, my two girls are the oldest. They were five and three at the time. And I kept thinking, I'm not even, even going to be out in time to walk my little girls down the aisle and give them away. I'm going to miss their entire life. Over this. I was just, I couldn't believe that this was happening to me. Yeah. So, uh, so when did you first get arrested? I was, I was arrested January 8th. I was one of the first to be arrested. So and, and, I live streamed go everything ahead. I did at the Capitol. I live streamed everything I did at the Capitol on January 6th. And so people uh, took that and just shared it all over the place. So, so on the night of January 6th, I was already on Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Stephen Gilbert, and I mean, it was everywhere. Myself, 
Jacob Kingsley, the, the, the shaman, mm-hmm. and uh, Big O Barnett, who put his feet up on pussies. That us three were like the original face of January 6th. Jacob, because of how he's dressed. Big O, because of the, the famous picture of his feet on pussies. desk, And me, because I was an elected Republican and the only one they had their hands on. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we had uh, uh, Albert Watkins on the show a few weeks ago. He was uh, Jacob Chansley's attorney, and uh, and right after Tucker broke the uh, the video of uh, of Jacob being escorted through the Capitol building by Capitol Police as his big yeah. crime. <laughs> so, uh, so do they throw you in the uh, gulag in D.C.? I'm very very fortunate. So, um, um, the the way it's been working in pretrial, if you are arrested in your hometown area, which is, it happens to be a red state or a red district, you're probably going to be able to be out on bond while you're, while you're going through your, your, your criminal charges and fighting your case. If you are arraigned through DC, uh, you're not going to be, you're, you're going to be held without bond regardless. If you are in a, uh, a blue state or district, the chances are you're probably going to be transferred to DC and held without bond. So it's just really a luck of a draw. I'm fortunate to be here. Uh, I was on a lot of restrictions, basically home confinement for for for, mo- for pretty much 18 months. I wasn't able to, to you know to travel or do anything like that. Um, had to report all the time and random visits to my home and you know all these all these things for for 18 months. And then I ended up serving the three months in federal prison, mm-hmm. uh, which was a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there in just in just a second. But you know, I've been particularly when I was running for Senate. Every night I talk about how, you know, 350 to 500 people broke down my gate, stormed into my neighborhood, threatened to kill me, rape and murder my wife, burn down my house, burn down my office building, even kill my dog. And not a single one of those people spent a day in jail. And they were not only were they parading without a license, they were trespassing and they were th- uh, threatening murder. And uh, not a single one of those people spent a night in jail. And compare that to the way you guys got treated. Absolutely. It's, it's crazy, man. It really is. And, and not only that, the summer of love where they burned down half the country, they, uh, they, they sectioned off a part of our country and declared it their own as Chaz. Yeah. Um, we watched people before pound on the doors in that same building during the Kavanaugh hearing and nothing ever happened to these people. I didn't think it was a big deal. When I walked through open doors. I wasn't burning anything. I wasn't stealing anything. I wasn't, you know, fighting anybody. So I didn't think it was a big deal. But when I brought those issues up, uh, during the questioning, man, you would think that, like, how dare you even try to compare what you did to what those people did? I'm like, I know. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you didn't have any firebombs on you that I'm aware of. You didn't even have a spray can. You weren't you weren't burning anybody, beating anybody, or, or shooting anybody. I mean, in the city of St. Nope. Louis, so was, you know, they were causing, you know, millions of dollars worth of damage. That night of January the 1st, Jan- not January, June the 1st, June the 2nd of 2020, you know, they uh, they burned downtown St. Louis like they did all over the country. They shot four police officers, yep. murdered uh, retired police captain David Dorn, and uh, then just, just continued to destroy the city up until the time that, that my wife and I, you know, decided it wasn't going to happen in our neighborhood. Um, but, uh, and then... And then, like you say, when when January sixers say, "What all we did was we walked through the Capitol uh, after the police let us in," and oh, how can you compare that? How can you possibly compare <laughs> yeah. your your evil insurrectionism to those peaceful <laughs> protesters in George Floyd's case? Yeah, it's it's fascinating how they they make that you know they they want to separate it. You know, they want to say that we 
tried to overthrow the government. I'm, I'm like, we showed up with American flags and cell phones. I mean, nobody was trying to overthrow the government. You know, and, and, I, and, and I, I hate to, to bring it forward to the current day, but the, the day before Donald Trump's indictment, we were reading all the blurbs on the Internet and watching all the news sources, and everybody was talking about how the Republicans are all saying, including Carrie Lake was, was allegedly uh, saying that we're going to go down there. We've got thousands of people. We're going to be heavily armed. We're gonna we're gonna have all kinds of weapons. Just trying to goad some you know right you know lunatics to do it, and at the same time try to get a fight going down there. And then when it actually happens, all it is is a bunch of people carrying American flags and cheering on the president. <laughs> that just must piss yeah. them off big time. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, about, about you know all measures, we are the party of law and order. I mean, we are law-abiding citizens. We. No one there. No one was there to cause any harm. That's what. There was old women. I pushed a veteran around throughout the day who was in a wheelchair, a disabled veteran. I mean, these are the type of people. And and you know what? What I think what I want other people to realize as well is, you know, they are this government right now is literally rolling through communities in military tanks and knocking down doors and flash banging families to go inside and arrest a seventy year old grandma on nonviolent misdemeanor trespassing charges, like. Okay, why don't you just call her and tell her to come in? Did you, did you try that? But no, they have to, you have to do all that and traumatizing families in the process. Yeah. This is truly uh, a miscarriage of justice that's taking place. And it doesn't make any difference whether there's an, an R in the White House or a D in the White House on a lot of these times. I was usually a Democrat. I go all the way back to Janet Reno and, uh, and Waco, right, where uh, they could have arrested David Koresh anywhere. He went into town every day and got his donuts, and instead they had to do it in a way where there'd be maximum violence and maximum death because – of course, the whole point of all this is to intimidate people and let people yep. know that if they stand up for their rights, they will be crushed. And by the whole whole weight of the federal government will crush you, even if all you do is trespass by God. And you got to spend some real serious time in prison for trespassing. Well, you're, you're absolutely correct. And that's, that's one of the reasons I'm very vocal and speak out on this issue. And that's one of the reasons I decided to not only run again, but to, to run for federal office because. Um, I want to show the American people because I know that they're trying to make an example out of myself and the other J6ers and, and use us as a way to scare other people into submission and, and accepting the tyranny. And I want to show people that, look, I'm just a regular country guy, from average person from southern West Virginia. I took one on the chin from the most corrupt government in the history of our world. And I got up, dusted my britches off, and said, you know what, I'm still standing and I'm still fighting. If I can do that, anybody can. We don't have to submit to their tyranny. Yeah, that's that's the uh, theme song they play on my way into this. I get knocked down, but I get up again. And that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we've got to do. Well, I'm going to take a break here. And ladies and gentlemen, we come back. I'm, I'm going to ask uh, Derek about his uh, current run for the U.S. House. And I'd also like to talk to you about uh, what the elected officials in West Virginia did to support you and back you up, which I'm sure they did once you got arrested. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you in just a second. I get knocked down. More Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Mark McCloskey on Fire on Newstalk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Mark McCloskey on Fire. You're listening to Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got 
All right, we're back now on uh, News Talk STO. Mark McCloskey on the fire, and I've got uh, the uh, uh, real patriot and political prisoner from January 6th, Derek Evans. Derek, uh, uh, I was just told when we were taking a break that uh, they're making a stink under the 14th Amendment about your eligibility to run for the United States House or take a seat. Yeah, they've actually, so, uh, so Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats have actually already sent out multiple emails uh, to their base, fundraising off of it and trying to, you know, raise support to keep me off the ballot. Uh, there's a group out there, far left wing extremist group who, um, very well funded, obviously by Soros and those people. Uh, they've already came here and, uh, and, and tried to say that, uh, I committed insurrection and I was not eligible to run. Uh, fortunately, um, uh, the West, the, the attorney for the West Virginia Secretary of State's office has already, you know, publicly said and ruled that um, I was never charged, let alone convicted of insurrection, and they're just, they're going to have to get over it. Uh, that I, I, I'm I'm eligible to run, and they just have to get over it. So that that's kind of where we're at right now. So I'm not even there yet, and I'm already that big of a threat to them. But that should tell everybody all you need to know. Well, you know, that's that's of course why they want to raise your cr- crimes to felonies. A c- couple of things: one, to disenfranchise you, so you can't vote anymore, you can't participate in the government that you you're willing to, to risk everything to to support, and you can't carry a gun anymore, you can't own a gun anymore. So they've disarmed you and they disenfranchised you, and that's a warning to everybody else that if you stand up for your rights, if you stand up for the Constitution, you stand up for truth. They're going to make sure that you suffer for it, and they're going to take away your First Amendment, your Second Amendment, and your right to vote. That, that's exactly what this is about. They're trying to send a message to everyone else, and, and uh, I'm basically uh, sticking my finger in their eye and sending a message back to them that, uh, that, that, that it's not going to work with me, and they're not going to make an example out of me and, and use me as a, as a way to scare Americans into just accepting tyranny. I refuse to do it. We know uh, uh, something I've said from the from the very beginning of this, from that day forward, actually from June 28th when they first attacked my house forward of 2020, that there's only one unforgivable crime in America now, and that's standing up against the left. You can be a, a, right. a murderer, a rapist, a child abuser, anything else, but if you're a Democrat, or as one of the guys I was on a program with the other day, he said, and I like this, he says, instead of being innocent until proven guilty in America, now you're guilty until proven Democrat. <laughs> That's a great. I've never heard that, but it's a hundred percent true. That's exactly how it works right now. Yeah. Until proven Democrat. Yeah. Well, I assume that the uh, the leaders of the uh, of the House of Delegates and uh, and uh, Governor Justice and everybody uh, stood behind you and supported you in your in your campaign to to defeat these ridiculous charges. Spineless jellyback rhinos. Almost every single one of them. It's so sad. Like I said. They knew that they were going to have their hands full with me as well because I don't I don't support rhinos and I will call them out and and I'd already been doing so so like for instance at our caucus meeting uh, this is all during during COVID you have to remember during that time and so at our caucus meeting they tried to say that I had to wear a mask and I refused to wear a mask and they said that you know I, I could be arrested and not so I went Facebook Live and was like you know our governor Jim Justice is not a king and uh, if you guys want to arrest me and arrest me but I'm not bowing down to this and if you guys want everybody to wear masks and put have the guts to put your name on a bill and let's make it a law and then uh, then I'll do that if it's a law, but I'm not not doing it otherwise. So, you know, I, I was already very outspoken, but yeah, these these people they um they're just spineless, man. They had they caved the outside pressure from all the media people and all the the liberals from California and all these places who were just sending massive amounts of letters and and phone calls and everything into uh, to their offices and and they caved to them at the end of the day. That's what we have in the United States right now. We've got mob rule. It's like, in, yep. in, you know, to bring it up to, to today, 
uh, Daniel Penny in New York City, right? The uh, he yep. defends his his uh, whole subway car against a guy who's obviously nuts and threatening to murder them, and uh, the police do what they they should have done, which was interview him and let him go. And then the mob violence starts, and then they say, "Oh God!" Al Sharpton gets in the mix, and all of a sudden, a crime gets created because the mass masses want it. It's no different than the old West movies where the crowd surrounds the courthouse and pulls somebody out and hangs them. And that's that's the yeah. system of justice we have these days. Well, that's what's happening to that gentleman up there right now off the subway, who you know was saving people's lives and and uh, you know doing a, doing a great job as far as I saw and, and can, can tell and. Now he's going to have to fight for his freedom, and and it's just a sad situation that that he's going through. And it's, as you said, that's just how that's how the mob rule now. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about how much fun it is to go to federal prison in the United States. <laughs> well, you know, man, that's a so the first eight days I had to, I was thrown in solitary confinement because I refused the COVID vaccine. Um, so I got there, they asked if I was vaccinated. I told them no. They said, "Do you want it?" I said, "No." And they said, "Well, then you have to go to quarantine." I said, "Okay." Well, quarantine was the hole. They threw me in the hole for eight days. I had no idea how long I was going to be in there. Um, that was that's a that's a very challenging from a mental standpoint. You know, you can take two steps forward, two steps back, and no sunlight, no green grass, no you know nothing. Um, and so it was that was challenging. But um, you know, uh, leaned on God and got really probably the closest I've ever been to God was during those eight days. With that, so that's uh, I'm thankful for that experience in that regard. I uh, got out and got into general population, and um, honestly, man, I. Um, I was very welcomed by the people there. I was the first January 6th political prisoner to hit the yard, and uh, they'd heard the stories. And so I was kind of like a, almost an instant celebrity among some of the, the inmates there in terms of they just couldn't believe that there were actually people coming to prison for that, you know, and thought it was awesome. Uh, you know, I, I'll tell you, man, um, I met a lot of really good people in prison who were in similar situations to me from the standpoint of uh, very over, overcharged and oversentenced for some, uh, for some petty uh, victimless crumbs, and it really opened my eyes to just how how corrupt uh, the government truly is, it, it, even on a bigger scale. I mean, they're just throwing people in prison for decades for for silly things. And I, I'm not saying that you know people don't, don't deserve punishment of some sort, but I, I was mind blown how many people were in there for for decades for just petty victimless stuff. It was it was mind blowing. Yeah, well, you know, uh, one of my undergraduate degrees is in criminal justice, and I remember we had the uh, district attorney from Dallas County in talking to us one day. And I'll never forget one of the one of the things he said. And he said, "Our police don't arrest honest people, so they may not be guilty of what they get arrested for, but they're guilty of something." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I thought I was going to go in there, and, and I thought it was going to be just like you see in the movies. Everybody says they're innocent, and I, you know, I didn't meet a single person, not one, who claimed that they were completely innocent. I met a bunch of people who was like, you know, this is a bullcrap law, or that, you know, I, I mean, they. They got me on something else and just over, you know, overcharged me. And I'll tell you, it's a, it's amazing to me how many people are in there because they had been previously uh, convicted of a felony, and then they got caught with a weapon, mm-hmm. caught with a gun. So they, they weren't harming anybody. So there's there's a gentleman from Indiana who's in that prison right now, um, and he in his early twenties had you know was in a lot of trouble and had gotten trouble with drugs and stuff. He, he's in his sixties now, by the way. So mm-hmm. he went like three decades of no issues with the law. Yeah. And uh, they showed up to his house for, for something. I don't know what it was. And um, they found ammo there. And because he was a felon, he's now, and because of the way the points work with all this previous criminal history, a lot of it from when he was younger, we served his time, was out, and not been in any trouble in decades. 
uh, they they came after him and threw him in there for like ten years or something like that over over only over having am, ammunition in his home. He wasn't bothering anybody, yeah. and that's the type of stuff I'm talking about. And so, uh, once they get you in the system, they're going to come after you, especially if you uh, have a gun on you. Yeah, you know, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but as one of your fellow uh, January six political prisoners, he was out in pre uh, pre trial release. And they found him listening in his garage to his daughter's cell phone, listening to Mike Lindell's program. And they, they took him and they threw him back in jail. I mean, for sure listening, to, listening to the wrong radio program. Yep, that's exactly right. And that's what they're, that's how, and people don't understand just how much uh, the, the police state is, uh, has already infiltrated our country right now. And it, it should really scare everyone. It's one of the greatest issues facing the future of our country. So, so how's your, how's your uh, campaign looking right now? You know, man, honestly, it is it is great. So uh, when when the people in this district make the connection and realize that, oh, that's the previously the House of Delegate guy who, who, who you know, previously elected, who got arrested and thrown in prison for January 6th, when they make that connection, we're, we're, we're winning the polls pretty good, like double digits. Um, so the goal right now is obviously, and you've been through this process, it's the worst part of the whole thing is having to raise the money to get that message out to people so they can make that connection. Yep. But it's one of the reddest districts in the entire country. Uh, whoever wins the Republican primary, without a doubt, will win the general election. And so uh, that that's, a you know, I'm very fortunate in that regard. And so right now we're just, you know, trying to start to ramp everything up and get it going so that we can um, uh, get that message out to the voters and, and, and um, give them a true true conservative to represent them in D.C. Yeah, well, you know, if, if your campaign is anything like mine, the uh, the billionaire class probably isn't too inclined to throw money at you because, the, you know, they only like to pave the way for rhinos and people that they can control. And anybody that's actually standing up for the people and standing up for the Constitution means you can't be controlled and they can't buy you off, and so they're not going to spend money on you. That, that's exactly right. So I, we, we're closing. We're closing in right now. Probably getting close to around uh, 400 unique donors, which is pretty good. You know, I've never had any any infrastructure anything in place. But, but as you said it's all small donors, and we're thankful for that. By the way, it shows it shows uh, the 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 excitement surrounding our campaign. So um, even the five ten dollar donors it, it, giving us another unique donor to, under a belt is a huge thing to show the grassroots support. But as you said, the donor class is not going to get behind anybody like either one of us and to be honest with you uh, i don't want their help and their support because uh, i'm not going to my door will not be open to them once i get there well tell us uh, tell us uh, where the listeners can uh, can donate for you give us your campaign site and and uh, how they can how they can help you out yeah you can go to evansforwv.com that's my last name evans e-v-a-n-s and then uh four you can either use the number four or f-o-r it doesn't matter on both domains wv is in west virginia so evansforwv.com uh, there's a link there uh, at the top or on the homepage there somewhere you can click to, to donate and also get information to mail a check if you want to do that. And uh, we'd, we'd definitely appreciate it. We'll put it to good use. And uh, once again, we got the establishment the, on the Democrat side. Nancy Pelosi and all of them is already coming for us, trying to trying to, to come after us every way possible. And then we got the uh, establishment on the, the the Rhino side as well, who are going to do everything they can to to keep us from getting this seat because they know it's a it's a Republican stronghold, but. Um, I think I've already proved that I'm willing to stand up to these people, and I look forward to doing that in D.C. And, and I understand you've got a book out now, too, right? It's coming out here shortly. It's not out just yet. We're putting the final touches uh, on some of this. Uh, but, yeah, it should be coming out here here pretty soon, in the next month or so. All right. And, and uh, what's the title going to be? Uh, it's called uh, January uh, uh, Political Prisoner, The Untold Story of January 6th. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to have to let you go here shortly, but in 30 seconds. 
Tell us anything about all this experience that you want the American public to take away. The most important thing you can realize is that we're right now in a battle for the future of America. Uh, yesterday, they came after the January 6th political prisoners, such as myself and, and even you. And, um, and then today, they're coming after President Trump, the guy who's defending people on the subway, the person who made the memes. And tomorrow, if they have their way about it, they're going to come for you. They're going to come for every single God-fearing American Christian across this country if they have their way about it. It's time to stop electing politicians. Let's start electing patriots and, uh, and save this country. All right. That's uh, Derek Evans, ladies and gentlemen. Evans for a WV.com. Contribute to his campaign. Help him out. Those, those of us who actually represent the, the people of this country, represent freedom, God, and country. We need all the help we can get because everybody out there in the deep state, in the power elite, in the billionaire class, in the military industrial complex, they're out there to destroy our rights, destroy our country, destroy our heritage. And we have to bind together if we're going to defeat this thing and take our country back. Thank you very much, uh, Derek. And uh, we wish you the best. Oh, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, you know, what a great American patriot. Uh, what a great champion for, for individual rights, for the lives of the unborn, and uh, for this country. And, you know, I just saw him that uh, I think um, Harmeet Dillon just filed the first lawsuit in Los Angeles uh, against uh, a person who performed uh, what they call gender-affirming care, meaning the mutilation of children on some 13-year-old. Well, you know, this is what I do for a living. I'm, an, I'm a personal injury attorney. If you're out there, if you've been a victim of this kind of child abuse, if you've been mutilated at the Vanderbilt or Children's Hospital in St. Louis or any of the, the horrible centers around the country that are, that are doing this abuse to, to children, if you've been conned into doing it by false promises, if you've been conned into doing it by psychological influence uh, when, you were, when you were a minor, I would love to help you out. This is an aberration. This is a, a horrible thing that just needs to be stamped out. Here in Missouri, the governor's just signed a bill making it illegal. Uh, that Those kinds of bills are making it through the legislatures of vote, most of the red states in the country. But it's going to take some teeth. It's going to take some big judgments. It's going to take something to make those big hospital corporations wake up, pay attention, and say, we have to represent the people. We have to respect the will of the people. And money alone is, only, is the only thing that's going to make them behave because they're making money off of this mutilation of children and only more money being paid out against them, more money being paid out of their pockets in judgments for the people that they've abused. That's the only thing that's going to stop them. In this country, unfortunately, the only thing that talks is money, and the only thing that will make them stop is if it costs them more than they're pulling in. You know, in our world today, look at Anheuser-Busch, look at Target, look at Disney, look at Coca-Cola. Companies are willing to take a hit in their stock market price, take a hit in their bottom lines to push their liberal agenda, to push their satanic desires. And the only way we're going to stop it, once again, like I said earlier, come together, act as one, and if there's any leverage we can have, if you've been damaged, if you've been mutilated, if your life has been destroyed on these false promises that somehow transgenderism, whatever the hell that is, will make you happier, give me a holler. My office is 314 314- Seven two one four thousand. You can catch me at Mark at McCloskey M C C L O S K E Y Law L A W McCloskeylaw dot com, and I'd love to help you out. This is one thing I feel very passionately about. We've got to stop this. This is insanity, run amok, and we must put an end to it. But thank you once again, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, if you can, I'll, I'll give his website one more time: Evans for West Virginia. Evans for WV dot com. Help this patriot out. 
put somebody who's really a man of the people in our house. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. This is Mark McCloskey on Fire on Newstalk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com.